0: Hey listeners, this is Jason, and I want to thank you for tuning in to our latest episode of Galaxy. You're about to hear our first crack at a live episode, which we did very recently within the last couple of days. I want to let you know before you listen to it that, well, we all make mistakes from time to time, and I made a mistake that you're probably going to notice as you listen to this. Had a little bit of trouble with Stephanie's microphone, and so had to do a little bit of improvising to get her to be audible throughout the episode when she was talking. And I can't say it sounds the best, so my apologies for that. Apologies to Stephanie too, but we all learn from our mistakes, I hope. And I'm gonna learn from this one, and as we do more live episodes, we'll figure it out better for next time. So I hope you enjoyed the episode otherwise. And on with the show. So, um, it's 4.31. We're a minute late, but um, hey, maybe you're a minute late too. So, (laughs) it's okay to have a little bit of banter, isn't it? Hopefully. I mean,
1: uh, if there's no grace for us, then it's a hopeless world.
0: Well, um, welcome, if you're listening here on Podbean Live, we are doing our first live episode of Galaxy. I'm Jason Stark.
2: I'm Stephanie Yonker.
0: And I'm Jacob Yunker. And um, if this, this is your first time listening, uh, maybe it is, I don't know, but um, if this is your first time listening, this is where we explore the sci-fi novels of Isaac Asimov, one at a time, in the order that they were published, and we explore the themes and Meanings That are in the books. We also discuss their relevance for today. I have read through these books um, once or twice and Jacob and Stephanie are new to them. And so we want to offer the perspective of both the seasoned reader and the newcomer, Uh, whichever camp you fit into. We want to um, we want to offer a perspective that is close to that. So today we are doing this live episode uh, special again for the first time. And what we want to do is we want to share our closing thoughts on iRobot. We have spent several episodes talking about this book, and now we're going to close up our thoughts. Why are we doing this? I think it's because we've spent these episodes talking about different chapters and different stories. I mean, it's a book made up of short stories that were then later formed up into a full novel, And because of that, each chapter has its own particular questions that it's asking. They're not always exclusive questions. There are a lot of shared themes and uh, shared motifs. But there are a lot of specific aspects to each story that make it unique. And so that's kind of shaped our episodes so far. The question is, how does this book look when you look at all of it, when you take all of it together now in the form that it now sits? And what is the overall impact of it? What's the overall import? And um, and does it hold up? Those kinds of questions. So that's what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to offer some of our final thoughts when it comes to the entirety of the book. So why don't we go ahead and start off. Um, Stephanie, do you want to share maybe some of your thoughts of the whole of iRobot? Yeah, this was the, my first
2: time reading through iRobot and... Before that, I had seen the movie, and obviously, they're nothing alike.
1: <laughs> yeah, very surprising for me.
2: I I personally really enjoyed the format of the book. I liked the short story fix-up. Um, I also really liked uh, A Thousand and One Nights, or Lady Nights. Like that was also kind of a short story fix-up type style thing going on. But... Um, I really felt like Asimov just created this world and kind of plopped us into it. And we kind of got to see different parts of the world at different times. And to see the movement from the beginning to the end was really, really interesting. And now I'm kind of like, well, I don't know that you actually went anywhere with the plot. Like, you gave us several stories that kind of wrapped up. But now I'm really interested as we move into the next book to see what he does overarching, like to get some more human stories in
1: there. Yeah, it definitely feels like we opened a door and we haven't stepped out yet. Like the whole book feels like we opened a door and haven't stepped out yet, which is
2: Wardrobe into Narnia.
1: exactly. And cause it's really exciting to talk about sentience of the robot. And it's really exciting to talk about AI and it's exciting to talk about um, harm and non-harm and, what's helpful, what's not helpful, who's got power, things like that. But, um, all we did was basically ask those questions and I'm really excited. Like Jason, Jason, you've read pebble in the sky and so on and, and all the other books that follow up. Mm-hmm. And I have not. And now I'm looking ahead with uh, like big bright eyes. Like, Oh man, we're going to jump in.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, little, little hint here. I mean, when we get into pebble in the sky, um, Maybe I'll hold this off uh, until until maybe the end. Oh,
1: don't do that to okay. me. Don't do that to me.
0: No, it's okay. It's okay. Um, <laughs> you know, and well, I will say that when it comes to other Asimov books, there are a few other um, robot books that he wrote that were just, again, like collections, not just the robot series, which is part of what we'll be reading, but other robot short stories that were later collected. There's like. Robot dreams, and then there's robot visions. And all of these, including the stuff from iRobot, were later published into a like comprehensive robot short story anthology. Yes. Called um, called the Complete Robot. And so we have not gotten into all of the robot territory that Asimov has to cover. It's just that we're covering the publication order of of Asimov's novels. And this is just kind of how how it's unfolding for us. So there's more robot material from Asimov. We just haven't touched it all yet. Yes. I'm so excited. Yeah. I mean, one of these days we can get into those. um, uh, But obviously we've got other territory to cover before that. Yeah. Um, Obviously we're not the only ones who've had thoughts on iRobot this, this whole time so far. Yeah. Um, As far as my thoughts on the whole book, I feel like, you know, I think you've already mentioned Jacob in a previous episode, how it does appear that these chapters in the book do have a certain intentionality to how they're arranged. And I think you can feel that, you know, by the end of the book, maybe I'll back up at the beginning of the book, robots are, they're essentially like voiceless. And I mean, in, in the case of Robbie, he's literally voiceless. He does not have, um, he does not have a, a mouth to speak with or a or a any sort of thing that produces sound like for speech and um and they're very much just servile they have specific functions and um they're just that's all they're doing they're they're fulfilling the roles that humans are telling them to fulfill but mm-hmm. the the interesting thing is that over the course of the book uh, the robots become more and more powerful and begin to have the potential to exert more influence over people until at the end actually it's the machines that behind the scenes are the ones that are truly in control and that's um I think that's a very powerful thrust forward even though again it uh-huh. doesn't like it doesn't feel like the book really ends you know yeah although if you look at it in terms of this um this directionality of control I think that yeah. that is, that is a statement that's being made by the end of the book. Is that machines um, have the capacity to kind of overtake um, the vitality of humanity, if not, um, if if their course leads down a certain path. Interesting. And yeah. so, um, I saw a, I saw a little video clip of an interview with Asimov um, a little while ago. And basically, you know, he was talking a lot about, you know, as technology increases and things like artificial intelligence increase, what happens at a point? I mean, he's basically talking about like transhumanism, like that kind of stuff. Yeah, which, you know, this was 50, 60 years ago, probably that he was having these discussions. So it's like I had never even heard of such things until a little while ago. So I'm like, well, these these ideas are kind of are kind of old, but the idea of like what happens when you start having people who are augmented by technology, you know, where's the point at which, which humanity and technology balance or tip one way or the other, just like to me, frankly, like really creepy stuff. Um, I don't know if that's creepy for everybody out there who's listening, but it is for me. (laughs) Um, consider me creeped. Yeah. Um, but I would say that obviously in other ways, I mean, I think the messages hold up and the questions that are asked hold up. I just think it's the technology that doesn't really hold up. You know, the the way that it's described in the stories, uh, I don't think that that really um, stands the test of time.
2: Well, did you know that at Disneyland, Disney World, I think it's Disney World, they changed Tomorrowland so that it's no longer like what we think the future will hold because people have stopped caring about the future. the technology of the future but instead it is um it's like a 50s retro what they thought the future would hold Hmm. so it's this like nostalgia for the future
0: yeah
1: we have so little hope in our own future that we're looking at other people's future yeah
2: so yeah what Asimov and his contemporaries thought would happen,
0: you know? Right. And Asimov wasn't alone. You know, I think he was just one of many people who had this vision of the future. If you think about old fifties, sci-fi movies with their different conceptions of space travel and robotics and, uh, and what have you that in the end have not really held up very well. Like he didn't see uh, a really digital age coming. Um, and, and it's, it's plain to see in his writings as we'll keep moving forward, especially his earlier writings that no, he doesn't really see, foresee digital technology or anything. And, and you can't really blame him for that. So I think that the book has a, has a charm that comes from that to a certain Uh, degree. Um, and it's an interesting, it's an, it's an interesting observation on the past and the past's view of the future like you were talking about with Tomorrowland so um, does that kind of sum up our final thoughts on the book or, is, or do you have anything else to throw in
1: uh, I think we, we'll all have bits and pieces but we're not the only ones interacting with this book
0: no no not at all um, we have um, we have some comments that we want to share and um, that that is to say comments that listeners have put in on our Podbean page on the one hand And also, we have a lot of comments from Facebook as we've kind of tossed out little questions here and there from one episode to the next. We've tried to start little conversations from our page and share them to different sci-fi related uh, groups, Asimov related groups. And so we want to talk about some of those things right now. We're not really going to um, shout out people from the Facebook stuff like we don't we have not figured out what the best way is to do that. We don't want to just be spouting people's names off
1: yeah we want you to maintain a privacy of sorts if that's what you want.
0: yeah and so and even um, and even on the podbean page like people have like usernames which you know I think we can use people's usernames for their podbean comments especially because we we really appreciate it if you've taken the time to follow us on Podbean and make comments there and and have invested that that kind of time, In listening to the show i mean we really appreciate that so we want to give you a shout out of sorts as much as your username uh gives but as we go forward with these kinds of episodes you know kind of when we wrap up and do these live things um we want to figure that out as far as how to best give a shout out to people and say hey you know we we see you and um and we want to interact with you so i guess you know just stay tuned for how that's all going to play out.
1: Yeah, we want to give credit where credit is due, but also, you know, maintain the privacy of those who don't want to be highlighted.
0: Yeah. yeah. So um, I'm going to head over to our comments here.
1: On the Podbean account, right?
0: Yeah, so I'm going to start with our Podbean stuff. We've got a few comments on here, and so I just want to just want to give a shout-out to these. And um, someone who's been following along with us for... I mean, actually before we launched the podcast, but when we were just kind of doing our social media blitzes and trying to gain traction about awareness and stuff, um, Donald, who was one of those folks who interacted a lot with um, with us prior to the launch and who signed up for Podbean account if he didn't have one already, um, we talked a little bit about how uh, there's a difference between reading these books for the first time in publication order on the one hand Uh and in an in-universe chronology order on the other hand. And so I, you know, in, in kind of putting this idea for the show together, it was my idea to do publication order because um, it preserves the development of ideas as they happen. And so as far as like a literary journey is concerned, you get to see those things play out as they were thought up by the author. I mean, it's kind of like watching all the Marvel movies in the order that they were released into the theaters, as opposed to like doing them all in, um, in, in an order that is like, like watching the Cap- universe. Chronology. Yeah. Like watching Captain Marvel, like way earlier because it's set in the 1990s, you know, yeah. like, so that, that the difference of that sort of thing. So thank you, Donald, for having faith in us right off the bat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He he affirmed what we were talking about. And he said, I agree. The first pass should be in publication order. A second pass can be in Asimov's universe timeline order. And so, you know, I think that uh, it's cool to see that people out there are like, hey, um, you're not, you know, you, you do know what you're talking about. So uh, thanks, Donald, for affirming us. And, oh, affirming
1: uh, you, Jason. We're here for oh, for the ride. You made that decision.
0: Well, I mean, it's 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 us, you know. Uh, we're doing this together. So, and, uh, let's see. Also, we have, uh, we have someone who's, who's, um, sign in, uh, whose Podbean username is Ma Mercus. I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce that. So you may actually comment with us again <laughs> and, uh, and clarify on that. But, um, uh, but that person says, thank you for doing this. I've been watching the Netflix show better than us. Have you guys heard of that show? I have heard of it and I feel so ashamed I
1: haven't watched it.
0: Well, I haven't either. But the part of that is because I don't actually have Netflix right now. Um, But uh, anyway, um, the person says that this is a Russian show about a little girl and her her Asimovian robot at its heart.
1: Whoa.
0: Yeah. And um, like many Russian novels and visual media explores the concept of families. And um, I had replied back and said, you know, that we'll have to check that out. Um, I may have to check it out at some other time when <laughs> I actually have Netflix, but if you guys get the chance, um, check out the show and let me know what it's like. Yeah, thanks, ma. yeah. and um, Ma Mercus <laughs> well, uh, one second here um, then um, also a second uh, a second comment from Ma Mercus um, talking about our different robots from um, from the Greg and Mike episodes, so speedy and cutie yeah. and so, um, and we talked a little bit about the Gilbert and Sullivan thing about how <laughs> speedy yeah. singing Gilbert and Sullivan. And he thought that maybe Gilbert and Sullivan is like the residue of some sort of like, I don't know, vocal test or vocal diagnostic, you know, running Ooh, stuff. Through. Be interesting. It would be cool. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, that, it, it feels like you kind of like, it feels like kind of like retconning it and yeah. saying, Where really, you know, I I know that Asimov loved Gilbert and Sullivan and he was part of like Gilbert and Sullivan clubs and stuff like this. And so it's a a fun little thing to toss in there.
1: It would be a fun consistency to have like, you know, what better way to test out a voice box than to listen to something you like to listen to.
0: Right, right. Um, And the religion of the prophet Cutie uh, said could be a commentary on multiple aspects of religion, philosophy and religious philosophy. Incorrect postulates lead to incorrect conclusions. Um, he said, I'm not sure whether religious zealots are like robots or robots make more effective zealots than humans. And what (laughs) happens when the station needs replacing, God forbid, this incident becomes public. So, you know, um, a lot of interesting comments there concerning our, uh, concerning our good friends, uh, the, the robots that our good friends, Greg and Mike have to deal with. So thanks very much for the comment. And, uh, thanks for listening. Yeah,
1: no, that's a wonderful image to think about. Like what happens when... They need to replace the machine.
0: <laughs> yeah, which I think ties in a little bit more with this whole notion of, um, you know, we talked in that episode about what it seems like at the end of that story, at the end of reason, there's just kind of this notion of like, well, he gets the job done, so who cares how he does it? You and know? move on. <laughs> right. But then it's like, well, what happens when Cutie breaks down? You know, I, I think maybe the thing is, is that, he does kind of indoctrinate the other robots into the into the religion, if you will, of the master of the reactor core. And so, I don't know, maybe he's able to teach them the way and, and allow them to be ready to take over.
2: Well, I think you could probably compare it more to, like, a cult than to an established world religion. So, you yeah, know, cults have ways of getting around those things, so we just yeah when you're in invested deep enough you make up excuses
0: so in just a minute we are going to hop over onto talking about the comments that we've gotten from our facebook discussions and facebook questions but before we do that i also want to um let people know a little bit about how things are going with with galaxy podcast and how many um how many people have been listening and things like that and where yeah. they've been listening from. And we're really, we're really happy about it. I mean, in the what, three months or so that we've been on the air, as it were, we've been listened to in like um, 26 different countries around the world. Oh um, my goodness. We're, we're causing a lot of bad
1: ideas all over the place.
0: Yeah. We're, we're sowing our, we're sowing our, Our philosophy all over the world. Um, And also, I mean, if you're listening here in the U.S., 26 different U.S. states uh, where people have tuned in. And so thank you. Thank you very much for taking the time to download or stream or however you listen. And uh, we're really excited that uh, people from all over the world are taking the time to to, to do this.
2: Yeah. Tell your mom, tell your friends. Right.
1: Also really proud of Oregon. We went through the list earlier and I was happy to see Oregon represented. What's up?
0: Um, can I, can I do a, can I do a live ad break? Sure. What's a live ad break? Go for it. I want to see I this. Live. I want Kay. to see this. And, um, before we move on to these Facebook comments, I also wanted to let you know that today's podcast is brought to you by audible. Audible is uh, it's the number one source for audiobooks, and they also have a lot of different content that they're developing, like guided wellness programs and other, uh, other materials. And um, you can actually get a free trial uh, where you get a free book of your choice, free title of your choice, and you also get access to Audible's uh, whole spectrum of content during that time. And if you want to try that free trial, you can actually go to... AudibleTrial.com slash Galaxy Podcast. And uh, you can start your free trial today. I think if you're a Prime member, you actually get two titles instead of one. And uh, so that is AudibleTrial.com slash Galaxy Podcast to start your free trial today.
1: Just so you guys know, he did that without reading off anything. Like he has no paper in front of him. His laptop's on a totally different page. He just, that was off the top of his noggin. That was really impressive. Thanks,
0: Jacob. <laughs> I have mentioned in the recorded ad that I actually listen to most of these books as opposed to reading them with my eyes. I think that's true for you, too, right, Jacob?
1: Yeah, I I drive in the car with Audible all the time.
0: Yeah, and I have a job where I'm able to, like, kind of zone out. (laughs) I'm a janitor, you know, so it's like I can I can just put my earbuds in and and just listen to these books. And so it affords me special opportunities. So on to Facebook. So we started several little conversations from our Facebook page, just little questions. And we wanted to get people's um, we wanted to get people's reactions. And uh, then I kind of shared those questions to all the different sci fi groups and Asimov related groups that I'm a part of. And we harvested a lot of different thoughts and comments some of which were, I think, referencing and understanding that iRobot is kind of in the context, and some that were just kind of generalized thoughts. And so we want to run through those real quick and share some of the, the really uh, really creative answers that people gave to the questions. Which one are we starting with again? We are going to start
2: with talking about Robbie. So the first question is, inspired by Asimov's Robbie. If you knew that it would effectively protect your child from harm, would you purchase an autonomous ro- robot as a nanny? Why or why not? So lovely essay question there, Jason. Get everybody started. A large amount of the answers were yes. Um, you know,
1: yes, uh, buy a robot.
2: Yes, absolutely. I would get one. Yep. Or, um, a lot of comments that were saying yes because then i can you know control it a little better than a human being that i have to trust or yes because it's easier to find than a human being i have to trust or um
1: i want to point out that during the recording of this episode i said yeah that sounds like a great idea and i got heat you
2: did i I am wondering what the overlap is between people who Read the book, listened to the podcast, and commented. because I'm wondering if people did all three.
1: That'd be great. Just want to—I just wanted to say thanks to everyone who supported me. I feel supported.
2: <sighs> it was so funny, yeah. Because I thought I was very clear in the, you know, in the podcast that I think that would be a bad idea. You know, even if you feel like you can control it, you obviously can't. Like that's the point that to make it.
1: Well, a new stat that I recently read from, I think it's Barna Research Group, is the uh, the amount of trust, general trust in the average person. So like, how trusting am I of a Joe Schmo on the street, right? Those numbers have decreased, I think, almost to 20% of the average person. Statistically speaking, we're at the lowest point of of trusting each other in America, at least, in the USA, which I have to keep in mind now because we have 26 countries. But the USA is tr- the at the lowest point of trusting each other than we've ever been.
2: So statistically, we trust each other less than we used to.
1: So get a robot for your nanny. Yeah.
2: I, 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 <laughs> I, I will not be swayed by the internet. Comments.
0: <laughs> Although before we move on from this one, I do feel like one of the things that I think there was one, there was only one person out there. Happens to be a person that I know. Um, There was only one person out there who questioned, you know, well, what about the fact that a robot can't teach values? And I don't know, maybe it's because of the way that I worded the question, you know, because the way that I worded the question, it made it seem as though what was going on and what's at stake is the protection of a child, you know, and that's one thing. But when it comes to the not just the protection of a child, but caretaking, which I think that growing up of a child's mind and spirit. Yeah. You know, I think maybe that's something that can perhaps sway somebody in terms of what their answer would be. I don't know. No, that is a
1: great question. Um, It it makes me start to think of like, Oh, you know, I mean, uh, with a nanny, to some extent they can interact with emotions and a kid has to learn how to interact with their emotions. Whereas a robots just going to sit there, stare at them pretty cold because they're not hurting themselves. Right. Right.
2: They're not going to help develop that sense of community. They're not going to help develop
1: a sense of humanity in the child. There, there. <laughs> that makes me kind of fun. so. Thank you guys for for interacting with us on that and backing me up a little bit on the yes. <laughs> um, the the, next, the one of the next questions that we're going to tackle. We're, we're not going to tackle all the questions. We don't have all the time, but uh, we are going to cherry pick some of the questions and read off some of those the next question I wanted to interact with was um, a state uh, posted back in September 26th inspired by conversations from our latest iRobot episode, which is no longer the latest. If it meant that people's basics, basic needs were always being met. Would you support the managing of an economic system by a super intelligent AI Very i I didn't have uh, much say in posting that one, but I loved reading it, and I loved reading your guys' responses. So let's go looking into a few of those real quick. Oh, man. Uh, I've got a couple yeses and a couple noes. Oh, man, and they're all very well versed. So I'm going to read this one right here. Um, Again, we're not naming names yet. Um, In the future, we may, or if you listen to us live on Podbean, you can drop live comments and live questions as we go. Um, this person writes yes i wouldn't have to it wouldn't have to be super intelligent just intelligent enough for what it needs to do balance the books keep things fair in fact less intelligence it is the the less intelligent intelligence it has the less likely it could be corrupted by anyone and i thought that was very interesting it kind of implies that um, you don't need to have a whole lot of intelligence to be in government and part
0: of me wants to laugh at that Yeah, and how about some of the responses from the other end who would have said no I'm trying to find a no because there's a
1: lot of people that really like that idea especially this person so as long as it were proven incorruptible
0: darn straight couldn't be worse than the current people in charge (laughs) yeah it does seem as though you know when a lot of these questions get asked and when I put them out there a lot of it, it seems like a lot of the responses Felt a little cynical, you know, like essentially saying it can't be worse than what's going on right now.
2: I'm I'm sure it could be. Lots of things could be worse. I guess that's the
0: the thing.
1: Lots of things could be worse. And this person, I I want to drop names, but we will have to keep that in mind for next time. Uh, This person made a wonderful point. All I heard was, quote, but what if the dictator was really interested in making sure his population was healthy enough to serve him well?
0: Yeah. So very much hearing it in a different way than just kind of the, the Mm -hmm. sure do it, you know, why not?
1: That person definitely heard. Oh, so a super intelligent AI that makes sure that the servants and slaves don't die. That just sounds like a dictator to me. And I think that's a wonderful critique.
0: Yeah. And there were a couple different people who referenced, um, I'm trying to remember which one is the movie and which one's the short story. There's Colossus and then there's also the Forbin project and they're related to each other. One was a short story and one was a movie that was written off of it. And I haven't seen it, but I looked it up and it was about two different super intelligent artificial intelligences who have been set to monitor the nuclear arsenals of the U.S. on the one hand and the Soviets on the other Uh and how those two in those two intelligences start to begin interacting with one another and just like all of the crazy stuff that ensues, I guess. And the notion of, of um, artificial intelligence being in control of something so important and potentially so, so risky, you know? So there were a lot of people who did not um, see this as a good idea at all.
1: Yeah. I like this one comment. Nah, I'm a robo-racist. As soon as we start giving up our rights to the AI, we've gone too far, and I'll be out there organizing the rebellion. <laughs> uh, I, I think it's really good to have have both ends, like, yes, I want to have our needs met, and I see it as less corruption, and another end saying, I see it as our freedoms are being taken, and it's more corruption. It's a wonderful balance.
2: Mm-hmm. You guys are great. I think it comes back to that question that we talked about Robbie of, uh, a robot doesn't necessarily have values, so you're giving it power without values and then saying these are the parameters we want. So they you know, can't necessarily, and, and this goes back to what we've been talking about on the podcast too. They can't follow the spirit of the law, they can only follow the rules, they can only follow the letter of the law. And I think that that is always going to be problematic when you're dealing with people who are flexible and squishy and, and you know, they they need more than just rigor.
1: So you're part of the robo-rebellion?
2: I i am part of the let's not do that, that's dumb. Also, <laughs> I don't think that we're going to get there, but you know, that's because I'm a pessimist.
0: And also, I mean, not thinking that we're going to get there, I think that also kind of ties into something else that we've talked about, is that you know, the, the future is not played out in the way that that Asimov really envisioned it. Mm-hmm. It hasn't really played out in the ways that he envisioned it quite as far as as artificial intelligence is concerned. Um, Certainly hasn't played out yet in terms of the way like space travel and, and things are envisioned uh, by Asimov. But like, you know. When it comes down to it, some of these questions are hard to really ponder when thinking about them in the context of Asimov, because yeah. he's talking about positronic brains. We don't have that, you know, and we don't have anything that's really like that. Um, it's it's interesting, and we've already talked about it in previous episodes. It's like when it gets down to it, what's the point of making uh, technology that resembles a human being? And that resembles even the physiology of a human being, as far as having a brain quotation marks, um, you know, what is, what is the point of that? And I think that time has kind of borne out the notion that humanoid robots aren't really that big of a thing at the moment, you know, I yeah. think they're still very much a novelty um, sort of, sort of this amazing kind of ooh sort of thing, but they don't have any real practical application in the world. It seems at this point.
2: I would say not that this is a good practical application. I think it's terrible, but like they're moving sex robots along like that has continued to be developed
0: because human beings are horrible. Lest, <laughs> lest we leave out that detail. Yeah. I mean, but, but if it, you're, but other than that, um, humanoid robots don't seem to be, um, don't seem to be all that. Uh, Just to be
1: very clear, if you're listening, well, I keep saying if you're listening live, um, that's usually one of the things that gets cut in our recorded sessions. <laughs> I just make just wrong. Yeah. No, you made a good point too. Um, I, I my closing thought is I think people want power too badly to let AI actually go
0: anywhere with it. Except that I think that to the extent that people can use AI as a tool where they are still in power, but they're utilizing AI, then it's totally being used by the powerful at the expense of those who are not powerful. I guess I didn't, I guess I didn't catch that. That's what you were saying. Yeah. Facebook, man. Algorithms. Um, And speaking of Facebook, we're going to talk about our last um, question that we're going to talk about. (laughs) That (laughs) That would would also, yeah, that would also be cut. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But the other one that we talked about was if you could actually construct robots that were truly sentient, would their use as tools and servants be ethical or not? And so um, this one generated a lot of response. Um, I I feel like I can I can shout out my sister Alexis here. She she won't mind. Um, And she said, no, it would not be ethical if they were truly sentient, because then it would be slavery. Then um, another friend of mine said, if part of ethical development is dependent on community, wouldn't we first have to define both the communal relationships and the ethics themselves? I think Ooh. what she's maybe getting at is that this is um, this could be culture dependent. Um, yeah. You know, is it, is it going to be ethical or not to use robots as uh, as as servants? Um you know, that that's really going to depend on the community in which you are you're asking it. A couple of different people referenced uh, the Star Trek Next Generation episode Measure of a Man, which we've talked about a couple different times where they try to argue for Data's personhood, essentially, as opposed to being um, the property of Starfleet. Uh, Starfleet command or something like that but no he's actual an individual and has and should have freedom and autonomy uh, so a couple of different people um, uh, referenced that but there was another um, there was another whole strand of, of responses where it seemed like people were just kind of okay with it you know yeah. uh, someone said sheepdogs love herding sheep milk cows love being milked if we're building them from the ground up we can make them the happiest artificial life ever.
2: That doesn't sit well with me. I'm not sure why yet. It takes me a while to think about this
1: sometimes. I have a guess of what's going through your head. You go ahead and guess. I'm going to be wrong and it's going to be fun. Okay. So I think, so since we are the creators of this humanoid and the purpose of it would be to serve us, the argument sounds like, if I'm understanding this person correctly, the argument sounds like it's fulfilling its created purpose, and therefore being successful and being happy. Mm-hmm. And I think some of your pushback is if it's truly humanoid and sentient, would that, even though we created it, does that mean it not has it doesn't have a different created purpose? Because like humans, um, there, well, there's a worldview out there that says humans' created purpose is to relate to one another and to God. And then there's others that say uh, humans don't have purpose, right? So we we have to really understand, like, what purpose does to a person.
2: So you're arguing for, like, uh, sorry, I'm trying to sort of this in So you're arguing for, like, a telos. There is an end that the robots are going toward.
1: Or satisfying by, by having... Which
2: is a particular type of ethical reasoning. I think it's called virtue ethics, where you you argue for something for the end. So, for example, if we're saying that the end of this is for us to be good friends, then the right moral ethical decision is for me not to slap me in the face, because we...
0: Will. I'd appreciate that deeply. Great example. You
2: well, mentioned ethics class, I love it. Um, So you're, you're saying that they have a telos, but I'm not sure that their telos... I'm sorry, telos is a Greek word, I shouldn't be using it. I'm not sure that the end of a robot would be servitude.
1: Yeah, that's what I was trying to get at. I said it badly, though. <laughs> no,
2: you really yeah, I'm not sure that the end would be servitude, especially if it's actually sentient. And I think Jason said something earlier about it depends on your definition of sentience.
0: Yes, there there were a couple different people who kind of said, like, wait a second, what's your definition of sentience? Define and, your terms. Yeah, and the, the idea that free will... Um, is not necessarily part of the package when it comes to sentience. Um, I think that for those who defined sentience as including free will, then they were probably more apt to, to say that, no, it would be wrong to use them as servants and tools. Mm. But if sentience does not include free will, then it, then that seems to make it, it less, more, issue. yeah, less of an issue in people's minds. Um, and so, so there were kind of, there were kind of some people who are on the fence a little bit also based on the function. Like yeah. if there's soldiers marching across the battlefield or something, then, then that sad, makes yeah. it, then that makes it worse um, than if they're like fulfilling a task that might pose a danger to a human being if they were doing it. Um, whereas a robot might be able to, to in that way, protect people from harm and what they're, and what they were doing. You know, those those are different. Those are different applications with a lot of different questions to them. It's like, well, does that make it okay?
2: Yeah. And with Asimov's robots, though, they I don't know if they always have free will. Like think about Robbie he, and, and all of them. And they have to follow the free laws, So they don't necessarily have free will, but they have the desire for free will. I think it's in the desire for free will. And I think that that's problematic to them, quash that desire for free will.
1: But that was pretty yeah. good. That was really good. Yeah. Oof.
0: Well, cool. Well, it looks like we've got some uh, live uh, listeners here in the virtual studio. So we're glad hey. that you're joining us. Um, and and unfortunately, I think you're joining us just in time for us to start wrapping things up. Um, Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, and, and again, what we've said this already and um, like we're going to be trying to do these live episodes um, from time to time. You know, we want to do them periodically. And every time that we do, We want to get better at getting the word out about it and get better about um, uh, sharing the the news about it with everyone. And so, um, but obviously this will also be in our feed after the episode is done. So um, let's start bringing this to a close because we've spent, what, five episodes, four episodes on iRobot. That's And we had a little episode in the middle there. To um, be
1: clear, we're not running away from how many people joined us?
0: Uh, well, it looks like we have, um, it looks like three different people have joined. We're not running away from you. I promise. And, um, yeah, no, no, of course not. <laughs> um, but we are, sorry,
1: we did a lot of good talking before this, wow. I swear.
0: Um, but anyway, we've spent, <laughs> we've spent like four hour, Four hours, four episodes um, talking about iRobot, and now we think it's kind of time to put it to bed and start moving along down the next, uh, down to the next book in Asimov's uh, collection.
1: Pebble in the sky.
0: Yeah, uh, as far as chronology of when these books were published, as far as that's concerned, that is um, that's Pebble in the sky, and so we are going to um, move on to that one, and that's going to be a two episode combination uh, suite. And so, you know, I mean, it's a full length novel, but I think that depending on the the book and the nature of the book that we're looking at, it's going to take on a certain number of episodes that feels right. And so two will be in the case of Pebble in the Sky. So um, I had said at the beginning of our recording here that, uh, you know, when it comes to Pebble in the Sky, and then I kind of like, dot, dot, <laughs> dot. right. Yeah. I yes. kind of, oh, hey, I left you, you three, hanging.
1: You three showed up just for the good stuff. We've been waiting for this since the
0: beginning of the episode. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, when it comes to pebble in the sky, um, y- you're not going to see any robots. What? So the question is why? Yes. Um, and I don't know if you're going to get a very satisfying answer, but if you were, if you open up this book and, and you're like, Where's the robots robots robots. Um, You know, so so just just as a little heads up, you know, so it's not a spoiler about anything in the book. Uh, The book is its own thing. And it kind of also gets to the fact that the robot series and the Galactic Empire trilogy and the Foundation series, these kind of began as three distinct storylines. Interesting. You know, and we're talking about the redaction of a canon over time, of like a, a canon of works, that in the beginning, these individualized novels, these books don't have as much connection to them. And it's later that they will all be wrapped together into this complete package. So we're going to be seeing some discontinuity, probably. And there are going to be questions about what's going on and why that have to do with that, you know? like some of the seams between these different books and these different strands of the story are going to be more apparent than others. So, um, but I really like pebble in the sky. It's my favorite from the galactic empire trilogy. Uh, I think it's the strongest work out of the three. And so um, I'm going to have fun digging into it with you. All right. And I hope that if you're listening here, uh, whether you're listening live or whether you are coming back later to the recording, Uh, We hope that you're going to have fun with Pebble in the Sky, too. So we're going to need to take a couple weeks off. um, Essentially, like we're going to need to skip an episode. Our school schedules are crazy and we need time to like actually read through Pebble in the Sky again and get ready and record and process and release. So uh, we normally release on Tuesdays. We're releasing a little early with our live episode here. Um, but we're going to need to uh, skip an episode, as it were, as far as the schedule goes. So be prepared for that. And um, probably somewhere around a month from now, we'll be releasing our first offerings when it comes to Pebble in the Sky. So Yeah, I'm actually going to read it so you guys get some
1: uh, honest review. I don't want to make anything up. I read a robot, too.
2: I just seen the boy come out
0: well, we're all about weird comments here, at Galaxy. Um, and we want to hear your weird comments, too. So, again, please continue to um, continue to um, send in your uh, comments on these books. Uh, we also hope that you would continue to listen in. Uh, if you go to our website at galaxypodcast.com, you can see subscribe badges for several different podcast apps. And um, we're available just about anywhere that you get your podcasts. So also, uh, what are some other ways that people can get in touch with us?
2: You can get in touch with us through our Facebook at Galaxy Podcast.
0: And we have an email, which is contact (laughs) at galaxypodcast.com.
1: You know, I'm going to memorize that one of these days. Yeah, well, Contact I mean, this is the part where we would
0: have like backed up and started over, you know? <laughs> yeah, but we are live. We are uncut. We are we are fresh and we are going to um, and we're, we're going to enjoy continuing through these novels along with you. So read along, uh, get ready for our analysis coming up, and uh, we hope that you'll join us for the next time that we're back. So uh, thanks very much for joining us. Until next time, I'm Jason Stark.
2: I'm Stephanie Yunker.
0: I'm Jacob Yunker. And this has been Galaxy.